Kansas Memory, a Kansas State Historical Society podcast featuring glimpses of Kansas history from documents in the Library and Archives collections. Before the Homestead Act of 1862, Congress enacted the Preemption Act of 1841, which encouraged U.S. citizens to move west onto public lands before they were actually open for settlement, often before they had been surveyed. A man over 21 years old or a widow, who was the head of a household, could stake a claim on 160 acres of public land. After they had lived on it for 14 months, they could buy the land from the U.S. government at a low price before it was opened for public sale. Much of the land in Kansas and Nebraska was preempted in this way. Many recent immigrants from Europe were hoping to be able to own their own farm in America. This act was a strong enough incentive for them to travel hundreds of miles west, enduring unreliable transportation, isolation, disease, discomfort, and hunger. Settlers also headed west to acquire property for speculation and financial gain. Joseph Trigo was a doctor who already owned a farm near Rock Island, Illinois. But the lure of cheap land coupled with his strong anti-slavery beliefs brought him to Kansas Territory in 1857. These excerpts from his letters home describe his trip for his wife, Alice Mannington Trigo, and their three daughters, Kate Six, Eleanor Four, and Helen Two, who remained in Illinois till the following spring. St. Louis, September 10, 1857. We are yet in St. Louis, as you see, but we start from here sometime tomorrow. This is now Sunday night, and I write you from or in one of Heaven Ward's room in Bartram's Hotel. It is a very rainy night, and we are very well content to stay indoors, having had plenty of exercise, anxiety, and hot weather to endure since our arrival. The boat we came down on from the foot of the rapids should have made her regular trip down today, but was disabled in the storm which we encountered directly we left Keokuk. It blew so hard that the hurricane deck was loosened in many places, and the roof over the ladies' cabin was partly blown overboard, exposing the fine furniture to the beaten rain as long as the showers lasted. The ladies were not exposed to it so long as they proceeded towards the bow of the boat, at a quicker step than would be considered dignified enough under ordinary circumstances. Monday, 4 o'clock. Boat starts soon. We have been busy as possible so far today, closing up our business and moving to boat. have just received my med chest. The boat got aground and was delayed until the next boat came along today and pulled her off yesterday and today's boat coming in together. A storehouse is on fire nearby which bids fair to be a big one yet. There was another exciting occurrence on board our boat. While we were at dinner, a trunk was broken open in a room adjoining ours and several thousand dollars taken out. Family that is moving west, all they have in the way money. Several days later, the boat trip has become very tedious, and Trigo is homesick. S-B-I-H, Oglesby, Missouri River, 12 miles below Kansas City. Many a stick we have had on the sandbars, and many a snag had made the boat quiver and bound till I had been seriously concerned about her safety because if she sprang a leak, we would have been put the trouble and perhaps loss of getting our baggage off and obtaining passage on another craft. But we are within three hours of our stopping place, and I have no doubt now that we will be on the land by sunset. The boat shakes, so I cannot write without making a rather old-looking hand of it. There has been nothing of particular interest since we left St. Louis. I have endeavored to make the time seem short by reading novels, 
but having nothing in the way of business or otherwise to claim my attention, I could but think of that which was the nearest to my mind's heart, home, my angel of a wife, and our dear little girls. Oh, you don't know. Maybe you do though. What a satisfaction and delight it's been to me to have your miniature to look at. Trigo was a doctor in Illinois, but after arriving that fall, he pursued a new trade. He helped build a sawmill on Little Sugar Creek in Lynn County and worked to get it operating. In the spring of 1858, he also helped build and operate a grist mill and was involved in the town company business. These are excerpts from letters he wrote while he was preparing for his first winter in Kansas Territory. He frequently mentions how much he misses his family and looks forward to when they will join him. Sugar Mound, January 18, 1858. My dear wife, today I have been writing all day, partly on business connected with the mill and partly to get signers to three road petitions for roads branching off from Mound City. The weather is delightful, 55 degrees today, warm sun. I enjoyed the ride very much until afternoon and I began to tire of it. We don't perform hard labor. It is more care and anxiety than a physical labor. We hire most of that done. We can saw 4,000 feet of lumber a day. We have not worked any after night yet. If we were only living together here now, I should like the business very well. I think it would be much pleasanter than either riding around through hot sun or cold winds rough roads and muddy roads, rainy days and dark nights to peddle pills, or to raise crops and to have to watch them so much to keep them from being destroyed and then to scarcely get enough for them to pay expenses. I do hope the children will keep well. I do so want to find all well when I return home. I make wonderful calculations about that event. Maria had better keep in the notion of coming here. There is no question about the school if she wants to teach. There is a schoolhouse here, but no school this winter. I have not heard of anyone who could be had to teach a school who is capable. Ed expressed himself as being very well pleased that Maria purposed coming here so that his boys could go to school. Wonder if Kate will have anything to say when I get home. I guess she will tell me a heap about everything, and Eleanor, too, will have to help some. But little Helen won't know father and maybe get behind the stove or under the table. Is that the way you will do, Helen? Well, I'll see how you do in a few more weeks. Do you think, Kate and Eleanor, that you will be scared to hear the big owls making such a noise as they do in the woods every night? Sometimes right over our house. They stay in the old hollow trees all day, and then hoo-hoo around all night. Next summer, when you come here to live, you can hear them most every night. Won't it make you jump into bed and cover up quick? Now, my dear wife, you must excuse me for another week for my back aches, and if I ain't sleeping now, I will be in the morning at getting up time. Your loving husband. In March 1858, Joseph Trigo returned to Illinois and brought Alice and their daughters to their new home in Kansas Territory. Joseph and Alice had six more daughters in Kansas, Rebecca, Sophia, Lou, Sarah, Octavia, and Martha. He enlisted in Kansas in 1861, but after the war he returned to Mound City and resumed his business. He died there on July 14, 1905.
This has been a Kansas Memory, a Kansas State Historical Society podcast. The documents used in this podcast are part of Territorial Kansas Online, a virtual repository of primary sources from the Bleeding Kansas era. The URL for the website is www.territorialkansasonline.org. Thank you.